Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Steve Largent owns the finest pair of hands in football. Everybody always would say, well, keep your eye on the ball, keep your eye on the ball. What I would say is keep your eye on the tip of the ball. That became my mantra, narrowing the focus of your concentration. Welcome to the Underdog Jets podcast with Wayne Corbett and Robbie Sabo. Welcome back, Jets fans, to the 11th edition of the Underdog Jets podcast with Wayne Corbett. We are here on this Monday. In one of the dead periods, I guess we can call it. Yes, I know the NFL, there's no dead periods technically, but, you know, sometimes you could say that and get away with it. Wayne, uh, what's going on? Oh, all good, man. Episode 11. We just did episode 10. I think we're great. And episode 11, like I said, get into a little bit of a list of the top 50 uh, shorthanded receivers, which I'm on the list, which I'm grateful for. I know people love lists, so ready to get into you know, some of the players I played with at receiver and then, and then that list. Yeah. They, and that list too, it's a bleacher report article. They use the, they use an off the field image of you, huh? Yeah. Actually was when I lit up the uh, empire state building green um, one, one day when they were in the playoffs, actually it's weird. Cause I'm in the lobby and I'm doing it like where I'm pulling down and lighting up the thing, but we did it in the daytime. So actually I filmed it during the day and then they showed it at night when they lit it up. Little, you know, little trickery, but uh, it was great to do that. That they 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 chose me to do that. You must have felt like Letterman or Leno, right? It was weird. It was weird, but uh, hey, listen, that's the you know benefits of being a former player. And, you know, being well liked that they get you to do things like that still. Absolutely, and uh, the Underdog Jets podcast, I believe, is brought to you by Bet Online. The month of June is heating up with a ton of exciting sports action and bet online is where you can find it from basketball and hockey playoffs to baseball's marquee matchups, including prop bets and futures bet online has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit folks. That's a new user bonus. Take advantage. It's tough to lose in those situations. So before the next tip-off, face-off, or pitch, head over to BetOnline and start playing today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And yeah, Wayne, as you said, we're going to talk a little nostalgia today, a little history. I was thinking about the all-time New York Jets football team. If you were to come up with a 53-man roster, the Jets 
organization, social media team did it for the hundredth anniversary of the NFL and the fans voted on it. You were there with Al Toon, with Maynard and with Wesley Walker. Those, those were the four receivers who made it. I've done a couple of these myself writing them. It's pretty similar to that result with a few changes, but when thinking about it, you really realize that the receiver group in Jets history is, is a strong one. Yeah. Listen, when the list came out and they told me that I was on it, you know, I figured, you know, Wesley Maynard and tune, you know, they're the top three. There's not no arguing that I don't put myself in the top three. Uh, and the fact they did a fourth receiver and, and included me was, you know, truly honored. It was great. It's kind of thrown back by it because they could have went with two running backs. They went with only um, Curtis. And I felt that Freeman should have made it as a second running back. So the fact they went with four receivers, you know, I just, this is one of those things that's not believable to be included with that list. And I posted a picture on social media when we got announced at the game. And it's me joking around with Maynard and Namath. And I posted, I'm like, how's this possible that I'm just shooting the shit with these guys and joking around with them in front of six? I mean, it just, Makes no sense, but just to be on a list and out there in the field with those guys, man, it's just crazy how things worked out. Yeah, it's like a, it's a run and shoot offense the way they did it. I said 53 before. I'm the nut who takes it to a 53-man roster, you know, with reserves. This 100th anniversary fan vote was pretty much a starting lineup. So yeah. it's like a run and shoot look with the four receivers and then Curtis in the backfield. Yeah, it was only like 22 guys, right? Yep. Yeah. So, uh Yeah. Starting 22, like I said, just to be on the list. I was, I was in my glory, man, hanging with those guys. Those guys are great. They got the best stories. It's interesting. Maynard, he's clearly number one, right? Right. Walker, I think because of the, the stats he compiled, what he did in the 80s, he's probably clearly number two. You put yourself behind Tune, but there is an argument to put yourself ahead of Tune. It's, well, yeah. it's close, but there is one statistically it's close, but he played less years, but as far as overall talent, I mean, you know, he made some pro bowls. I never made a pro bowl, but just as is it, and it's not just statistically, it's just importance to the mm -hmm. franchise. And I just feel like, you know, what I came on and off the field and, you know, maybe I didn't have more catches, but maybe my catches were a little more meaningful as far as all the third down conversions and all that stuff. And, you know, big time plays and big time situations, but Altoon was a tremendous receiver. It's a shame that his career got sh cut short so soon. Yeah, he uh, he's my dad was heartbroken when he when he retired because that was his favorite player, and um, he's he's one of those guys where it, what what could have been, you know? Yeah, and I've met him. He hasn't he doesn't come around much. He doesn't do many of the you know legend stuff, you know, in the Zoom calls and all that stuff. But I did meet him one night. And we exchanged jerseys and uh, it was pretty cool because we both signed jerseys at the same time and we both worked the same exact thing, but you know, two Wayne, you're the best out too. And I put two out, you're the best Wayne. You're the best. <laughs> so uh, I got it, you know, I got it and it's uh, I treasure it. Absolutely. And even after the top four, I mean, the list continues. Uh, Lavernius Coles, he's right there. George Sauer, you know, he's right there. You know, it, it keeps going. Uh, Kotchery, Rob Moore, Keyshawn, uh, Art Powell. I mean, it's a really deep group. Yeah, it was. Uh, and then you had Mickey Schuler tight end. 
I'm not sure who yep. the second tight end would be, but Mickey Schuler had a hell of a career. And it's funny, just I, some of these guys I'd never met before. And just to see Mickey, and I was just like, that's Mickey Schuler. I was like, that's pretty cool. But he guy was so humble, just happy to be there. Cause again, some of these guys never come around. They don't come to games anymore. They're not involved. I mean, so uh, it was a great meeting. I'm a super guy. I remember Mickey. I don't know if it was Mickey or someone else, but I think it was Mickey. One of the f- more famous Lawrence Taylor highlight clips of him just talking trash, just angry at a Jets player in preseason. And I think it was Mickey who who got him that ticked off. Um, just a, something that popped in my head, which is uh, of note, I guess. Yeah, he was killing Mickey on the video. I, I saw something is like that, that. Was that Mickey? But LT, he had a black LT. That's not fair. But uh, LT had, had that effect on him a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. No, LT, he was mad at him too for some reason. Mickey must have got the better of him because he right. was he was just angry. Right, right, right. But so, yeah, uh, Jets, uh, Jets all-time team, it's receivers are really deep, which gets us into some of your favorites of all time. <laughs> Shorthanded guys you put a list together of five of your favorites. And we start with Don Maynard, who we touched on. Right. A throwback. I mean, he did it for so long. Uh, started with the Giants, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. And But he's a jet through and through, or finished with the Giants, so I'll have to double-check that. He's a jet through and through, and he's just one of the greats. Yeah. Um, just, I got to include... Uh you know, my favorite jet in the, in the list, obviously he did it in a time when, you know, passing was kind of just coming around. It wasn't like the big thing. So running, running, uh, NFL was the, the run. Um, and then, um, I like the fact that the guy never wore gloves. They didn't even have gloves back then. So, uh, and I love meeting the guy and talking to the guy, I've taken pictures with him every year when we meet up at the, the green jacket event, you know, the ring of honor thing. Like I said, these old guys have the best stories. So when I looked at the list, you know, he's not actually number 28 on the list. He should be a lot higher, but he's uh, one of the first guys I thought of. They put him 28 on the bleach report list. Yeah. That's interesting. He, uh, yeah, he played one, year with the giants before going to the jets organization with the titans so he was there from the start in 1960 and you look at the list some of the guys starting from 50 down the older guys like cliff branch todd christensen uh some of the charlie hennigan some of the old drew hill dwight clark i mean he's got the catch bobby mitchell stanley morgan um looking at kellen winslow a lot of tight ends tony gonzalez the marks brothers mark duper mark clayton uh, I said Charlie Joyner. There's mm-hmm. some great. That's the top. That's uh from 25 to uh to 50. Those are some of the names that were Wes Walker had a great career. Um, Andre Johnson, McCaffrey, another great player. Sterling Never Sharp. Worked. Sterling Sharp's in there. Derek Mason, underrated. I don't think he gets enough credit. A lot of tight ends on this group, but uh, that's uh, that's basically the bottom 25 of it. So, uh, you know, Maynard's 28. Like I said, he's in there, but he should definitely be higher. Man, what kind of guy is Maynard off the, he, off the field? He's like, he's, he strikes me as a very laid back person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, he lives in the country, man. He's, yeah. he's the old school. He's just calm and collective and cool. You know, he's out there with his, you know, his, his old jets lit on. The thing's got to be from the 60s, man. But, uh, yeah, he's just casual, play cool. Uh, like I said, I love seeing him every year. Yeah, an old uh, Crosby 10 Texas boy. Yeah, he always wears his, his, his cabo hat and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, I got a chance to meet, you know, his brother and some of his family. And, uh, you know, they're always 
grateful that, you know, to be around, but, you know, we were so lucky to have him to come to these events still. Cause I know, you know, he hasn't been in the best of health, but he's hanging in there. Other names, I guess, uh, under 25, let's see. Well, at 20, I'm 25. You're 25, is, which is awesome. But 24 is one of my favorites of all time who I grew up watching. He's part of, of your top five. Kind of modeled my game after Ness Andre Reed. Um, everything about him. I love, he's just a tough guy. You know, and just everything about him. He had great hands, great routes. Uh, so just to be on the list near him, uh, it, was, it was crazy. But uh, he's uh, one of my top five, too. Cuts down a D2 player. So he had to earn it. He had to really earn it. Yeah. And with Jim Kelly and the K-Gun. Uh, and, he, you know, yeah, and he played in Buffalo up in yeah. that crappy weather for, you know, 10, 12 years. That's, you know, not easy playing up there, you know, half your home games every year. No, it's not. So, yeah, Reed was great. And he played a long time, too. 16 right. years. Yeah. yeah. He had a hell of a career. Other players on that top 25. Keyshawn is number 23. Keyshawn's 23. Keyshawn's 23. Old school guy, Paul Warfield. 22. 21, Keenan McCardle. That's another guy. I don't know. He, was he I don't know if he was no, – he was drafted, but late. And he had gone to a couple teams – before he uh, kind of you know broke out with Jimmy Smith um, in Jacksonville, actually Jimmy Smith is number eleven. That's- yeah, McCardell was with Cleveland, drafted in the twelfth round, so they were still going past seven rounds in ninety one. Yeah, and he and was pre- he was practice squad, and then didn't really make it. And he went to Jacksonville, I guess, with Brunel and him and Jimmy Smith kind of like put that franchise on the map. I think they were there when it first started. So. Those are uh, on the list and 20 Marvin Harrison, which is a tremendous player, uh, great hands. You know, I, might, I remember him more on the deep routes and slant. He didn't run many intermediate routes, but he could do it all. Like I said, Mark Clayton, Mark Duper was 34. And number 18, he's one of my top five, which is Art Monk. Um, and, uh, you know, he just had some kind of career. He played a long time too. And I think he actually ended his career on the Jets, right? Correct. Uh, I believe so. Him and Ronnie Lott came over in those, in those early 90 teams. He ended with Philly in 95, but he played, okay. 90, he played 94 with the Jets, but he only played four games or three games with Philly. Right. Well, that's the thing. When I was coming out in 95, I looked at the receiver core and where, I, you know, my choice was to go to the Jets because Art left, Rob Moore was traded, and then there was nobody else there that really had any uh, experience. So Art Monk, definitely, him leaving was definitely a consideration on why I wanted to go play for the Jets. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, you never, you don't think about that too often because the 94 receiving group looked loaded. And then suddenly when you get there, I mean, Art Monk and Rob Moore are gone. You know, I forgot that they traded Rob Moore actually to, uh, I think it was Arizona. Yeah, to Arizona. But yeah, that's that's pretty interesting. Um after Art Monk, who comes next? Uh, Isaac Bruce is there as well. We got Isaac Bruce is 17, but you got uh, Tory Holt at 29. So you just look at that receiving core they had. And they had uh, Ricky Prohl when they had that, the Kurt Warner team. So if you look at you know top three trios of all time on, on teams, I think they're definitely one of the top top trios that there that there's been. I like to say that me, Santana, and Lavarniers are on that list. But, uh, you know, those those guys definitely were. Ricky Prohl shampoo. 
yeah. was uh, Chris Berman's nickname. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, definitely another guy, uh, patterned my game after. So then you got Randy, John Stallworth, you know, Stallworth is at, uh, 15 and Lynn Swan is at four. That's another tandem that won a bunch of Super Bowls together. And I mean, back then, they're, they're how graceful, you know, more deep routes and stuff like that. Statistically, statistically, they don't have the amount of catches that you would think, but just the amount of championships and the plays they made uh, put them on the list. And their and plays then, hurt more too. Like it hurt yeah. the defense so much more. Yeah. And just how graceful they ended up gliding through the year. And then, um, well, Randy Moss is 16, you know, what can you say? He's one of the most dynamic receivers there ever was, you know, you tons of catches, but number 14 is one of my, on the list, 14 and 13 14 is Fred Belitnikoff, which was pretty cool. Cause when we played the Raiders, when he was coaching there, the receiver coach, and I kind of talked to him before the game and I thought that was pretty cool. But if you remember the videos of him with the stick on his socks, yes. Yeah, he didn't wear gloves, but he uh, he had that stick on his hands. But uh, that's just an old school guy, hard nosed guy that I appreciated just to get a chance to meet to him and talk to him. So he's uh, on my top five. What do you think about the stick again? One of my dad's all time favorite players, Bolitnikov. What do you think about the stick A big deal or much to do about nothing? In the in the baseball. No, the right stick for for Bolitnikov in the hand. You know, oh, it, it it came. It popped up when the whole Brady stuff was happening with the flake gate and that conversation. Uh, I was going to say real quick on the baseball there, you know, the guy stripped down, they checked Max Scherzer in the middle of an inning for foreign substances. And he like took his belt off, pulled his pants down, like took his hat off. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yep. It's actually safer for batters. If these guys do use them, some source of stick them, they'll be throwing hundred miles per hour. I mean, and, you know, it's spin rate and all that stuff. But as far as the call for the sickum, it wasn't illegal back then. They helped out. You could have like a tacky towel. I mean, he was just more obvious about it. But, you know, what are you going to do? Those gloves are sticky enough as it is. It's kind of have like having sticky stuff on them anyway. Yeah, the sickum from back then are nothing compared to the gloves today. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And so the other guy on my list is 13, which is Steve Largent. And I was looking at his stats. They show he had a hundred, hundred touchdowns, like 13, 14,000 yards. I mean, he doubled my stats. I know he played longer than me, but to, to have those stats playing, I mean, who was his quarterback? Jim Zorn all those years? Who else? Did, Probably who else most struggled? of the time Zorn. Yeah. Yeah. But just to see the statistics he has, especially when he left the game, he was on top that with, with top five with all of them. I know people have. So, but other than that though, you got, you know, Chad Ocho, Lofton, Herman Moore, Tim Brown, another guy, just tremendous hands. He always taped his fingers up with tape. He didn't really wear gloves. Raymond Berry, classic. Don Hudson, classic. And then the last three are, you know, questionable. I don't know who you think's the best, but Lance Allworth was tremendous. Bambi, wasn't that his nickname? Yes. And then you got Jerry Rice, number two, and Chris Carter, number one. You know, Jerry Rice is the best receiver of all time. You know, he's, I think you put him number one on any list you ever talk about. But Chris Hart Carter probably has the, the best and most one-handed catches you'd ever see. So, you know, those guys are 1A and, and 1B. So, yeah. Uh, you know, it's just great to be on a list like that, you know? Yeah, tw- 25, not bad. And I think I agree. You have to put Rice one. I mean, right. y- you have to. I'm, I'm cool with Chris Carter second. Uh, all worth during his time. I think he's good at three. Lynn Swan, hell of a receiver. 
but in terms of sure-handedness, I don't know about four. Definitely, top five's fine, top ten. Right. It's tough to argue with the list. These, all these guys are just ridiculously talented, ridiculously tremendous, sure-handed. You know, another guy is 38. Like I said, there's a lot of tight ends at the top of the list. Antonio Gates, I don't think I've ever seen him drop a pass. And basically, he catches five 10-yard routes in traffic yeah. every, every touchdown, every catch he has. But if you look now... You know, this list is from a couple of years ago and it doesn't put anybody on that is active. I would have to say that Larry Fitzgerald and Andre, uh, um, DeAndre Hopkins are definitely top 10, if not top five to be on this list when they're uh, when they're done playing. Yeah, those two for sure. Um, Devonta Adams is getting close. Yeah, he's got great. I think. Andre Hopkins, I think I won a year, one year. I don't think I had a, like, without having a catchable ball that was a drop. But Andre Hopkins, this is catch rate. I mean, he's catching like 90%, 95% of the passes thrown to him. Right. Not that are catchable passes that are thrown to him. Yeah, that's so, absurd. I mean, it's, it's scary, the kind of hands these guys have. So they'll definitely be on the list. And that's the thing, too. Hopkins and Adams, they they both have great hands, but their route running is also tremendous and julio too julio's got to be thrown in there as well julio yeah. jones yeah like i said not you know different kind of routes than some of these guys are on you know these these deeper routes and you know 50 50 balls coming down with those but uh you know larry does it all he's across the middle he's down the seam he's you know in the slants so uh you know he he might be number one at a, by the end of it at all and, and i can't emphasize enough how different the game was even 20 years ago compared to today with the rules uh, where they really started to enforce the, uh, the contact with the DBs uh, post 2005, 2006. And from that point forward, 2007, 2008, you really start started to see the points go up and the receptions go up. It was a different world for receivers and quarterbacks back then. Yeah. It's an offensive game. You know, the league makes it so, you know, off offenses should, uh, you know, get the upper hand just based on the rules on where you can hit guys and where you can't and defenseless receivers and, you know, no contact past five yards. So I definitely, you know, aim towards a, a offensive passing game and all that stuff. So these guys who did it back then, they, they earned it, man. You know, you're getting beat up a lot at the line, 10, 15 yards downfield. You got guys like, you know, Lester Hayes and Mel Blonde out there, you know, when these guys were playing, it just would, you know, hold you on the line of scrimmage. You couldn't even move. So for these guys that have those statistics, you know, back in the 80s, 70s, I mean, they're, to be on this list is, is crazy. Like I said, at number 25. Yeah. And for those Jets defensive football fans out there who, you know, don't like Bill Belichick too much, it was kind of Bill Belichick who really accelerated the current era with his Pats defense, Ty Law, and all those guys in the DB who really manhandled Harrison and Wayne in the playoffs, frustrated Peyton Manning. I remember that in like 2003, 2004 as really the starting point that changed the game. Yeah, the thing about Ty Law is I rank him one of the top five I played with. Something about him, his hands were so heavy, you couldn't get him off you once he was on you. And he used the sideline to his advantage, kind of like a second defender. So, yeah, those defenses that he uh, produced there in New England were tough to play against. You know, I'll put you on the spot. Any cornerbacks that you hated to face more than others? Uh, Woodson, what's the Woodson guys? Uh, Rod Woodson and Charles yep. Woodson, just tough, smart guys, studied John film, 
Aeneas Williams was great. Tyler was, you know, problem, but, uh, you know, and this a lot of guys I got a chance to play, you know, twice a year against the Dolphin guy, Madison, Sertain, those guys. But the toughest problem I ever had, and he was at the end of his career, was just Rod Woodson when he was with the Ravens and the Raiders. Uh, so, uh, you know, I enjoyed the competition playing against them, but uh, sometimes they got a better of me than I did of them. And Rod Woodson's crazy because he could play every position in the defensive backfield. Yeah, he he could do it all. By the end of his career, he's doing everything. He, and he was, you know, punt returner. You know, he's he's one of the top players that ever played in the league. Yep, Steelers, corner, safety with the, the Raiders. He, he pretty much did it all. And Charles Woodson, too, plays a little, played a little safety. Something about Woodson, you know. Yeah, well, you know, it's a good transition at the end of your career to basically go play safety. You know, if you lose a step or something like that, you're smart enough to play still. You know, and that's what all those guys have been doing. I always thought Revis would have been a good candidate to transition to safety because he could tackle and he had the the brain for the game. It just never materialized, I guess. Yeah. Well, you know, he's pretty good throughout his career. So I think he did something right. Oh, yeah. Episode 11, wrapping up. Wayne, good chat today, talking about the receivers, talking a little Jets history. Uh, the receiver position is loaded as we've as we touched on. We'll have to hit on other positions moving forward. Any final thoughts? Oh, great episode. You know, I just want to give people an idea of, you know, who I admired growing up and who I still admire today. You know, like I said, this pretty cool Bleacher Report, you know, thing they put out to be on the list. You know, I was going through it, the 50s and the 40s. I was like, all right, you know, that's where I would be if I was going to be on it. It would have been cool. And then I saw 25 and I was like, all right. Thank you very much. I appreciate just being on the list, let alone being 25. As always, the Underdog Jets podcast is presented by Bet Online. Go to the website, check it out, get 50% off your first free bet. Jets fans, we'll catch you next time for episode 12. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.